This is Performance Deliver, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, we're going to talk about how experimental marketing ties in with digital. Here to speak with me about the topic is Laurel Mintz, who is the CEO of Elevate My Brand, a creative marketing agency. Laurel has created an agency family serving both startups and blue chip global brands like Facebook, Verizon Digital Media Group, and Zendesk, to mention just a few. Her published work can be found in Entrepreneur, US Today, the American Marketing Association, and C-Suite Quarterly Magazine. Laurel, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk all things marketing. <laughs> great. Well, listen, Laurel, we usually start off with, you know, trying to find out a little bit more uh, about our guests. So. How did you get started in advertising and what led you to this point in your career? I got into marketing completely by accident. Um, I was a corporate M&A attorney actually before I started the firm over 11 years ago, if you can believe it. Hmm. So I know that's a big jump from being uh, in law to being in marketing, but I did have, I did a JD MBA, so I had both sides of the coin. Um, I was at a firm in San Francisco. My dad got sick and I had to step down from the firm to run his interest in a retail brand called Bassett Furniture. Are you familiar with Bassett? The oh, yeah. National mm -hmm. chain. Yeah. yeah. So I was interim CEO there at 26 for wow. about a year. Talk about uh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when he got healthy, luckily, and stepped back in, I went after those big law firm jobs and was getting those great offers and was like viscerally and physically nauseous every time I got a law offer. And I just realized that that was not my path anymore. So I yeah. started schmoozing and boozing with other entrepreneurs and, and I found out that all of their pain, pain points were around marketing. And that was the pain point that I could solve. And the agency was born shortly thereafter. Yeah, wonderful. What, what did you make decide to go into experimental marketing or, or to kind of have that part of your agency offering? Well, we consider ourselves a full-service agency. So we mm -hmm. do the digital suite, which includes web content, social advertising, and creative. But what we found was that people really needed to touch their customers in real life. So mm -hmm. while right now experiential is a controversial topic given our current circumstances, um, it really is a critical way for brands to talk to their customers, get real-time feedback, and build their products and services around what their customers actually wanted. And we were seeing that pretty consistently across the board with our clients. They would develop these great digital strategies out of kind of thin air. Um, they would think that they knew what their customers wanted, but they didn't actually do any testing or communications around it. So we started mm -hmm. going back into the experiential world, and we found that brands went so far to the left of digital that they were forgetting to talk to their customers in real life. And um, we evolved the agency to be able to service both sides of it. Interesting. So when you talk about experimental marketing, what does it mean to you? Experiential marketing is really all about talking to your customers in real life, IRL for, uh, for the millennials out there. Um, but for example, things like trade shows, conferences, um, launch events for new brands, launching into new markets for more global brands. So any way that your uh, brands or our clients rather are talking to their customers in real life. So it's a more tangible, 
personal uh, face-to-face kind of experience. How, how does that help companies with engaging with their, their customers, uh, identifying what, they, um, what they're looking for, what they want, rather than pushing kind of you know, an idea on them? Well, I think that it's really been helpful for, for bigger brands to uh, use experiential marketing to validate what they think their hypothesis is around new products and services for their, for their clients, I mean, for their, for their companies. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, what we have found was that people were, were not doing experiential because digital became the, you know, the darling. So people were really, really excited about digital and they were forgetting to talk to their customers in real life. And so we have found that we've developed really strong um, content marketing around the experiential moment that then also plays on digital. So we found a way to tie both together in a really unique and smart way so that brands can see the end ROI and the real value. At the end of the day, people buy from people. And I think, again, we went so far to the left of digital that people forgot to talk to their customers and really touch them and and hold them. And I know we're not allowed to do that in this very moment, but mm-hmm. it is a really important um, and unique opportunity to truly engage and get great customer feedback and to evolve a brand accordingly. That's interesting. So, so how would you advise your clients then to, to analyze the data and then use that feedback for developing new products, optimizing existing products or services? It's a great question. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Tamara Mellon shoe brand, but Tamara Mellon was Jimmy Choo's co-founder. So most of them on the call, I'm sure, know who Jimmy Choo is. Um, and uh, she launched her own line about three years ago because she wanted to provide a more um, a, a more accessible price point, but mm-hmm. still in the Italian shoe category. So they had built out these brick and mortar locations and they were doing okay, but they weren't really reaching a national audience in the way that they really needed to. So they came to us and they said, okay, we've bought into the Create Cultivate conferences, which I'm not sure if you're familiar, but they're these big national conferences. They do like six or seven all around the country throughout the year. And they had bought in, but they had no idea what they were doing. And the first of the series was in about 60 days. So they came to us and they were just like, help, we don't know what we're doing. What do we do? Uh, what are your thoughts? And so in 60 days, we uh, ideated, fabricated, and executed an entire booth concept so that they could have this experiential moment with their customers in real life at Create Cultivate. Now, that, of course, is the build-out piece, which we've talked about, the physical piece. But we also tied a digital campaign and we used the hashtag Flash Your Melons, which was a little uncomfortable, a little irreverent, a little outside their their zone. Um, but we knew that we needed to create what we called a mirror moment where people that were coming on site and trying on the shoes and interacting with the brand could translate that digitally, right? Again, that's that tie-in that I mentioned earlier about making sure that you're optimizing and maximizing your dollar spend on experiential by tying it in with digital. And mm-hmm. so we suggested that hashtag. They were really nervous about it. And we said, look, we'll print both claims We'll put the one up that we think is going to you know, drive traffic and, and traction. If you don't like it or it doesn't get the response, we'll pull it and we'll put up hashtag tomorrow melon and call it a day. And in that one day, they got more social engagement than in the entire three-year history of the brand. And needless mm-hmm. to say, they hired us on as their national agency moving forward from there. So it's a really great ex- uh, example of how experiential and digital go hand in hand. And they have to be thoughtful. You have to be thoughtful about how both play out for a brand, um, both local brands and national and global brands. 
Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, for every company, right, that, that does marketing, there is an end goal, which is either more clients, more revenue, something tangible that, that, that adds to what was there before. How did the increase in brand mentioning, or how were you able to, to kind of take that information about increase in brand mentioning and social engagements and, and, and add a dollar value onto that? That's a great question. Um, I would say what you're talking about is sales, right? And what we do is marketing, which is the top level that funnel to sales. So I think it's important that we um, that we talk about the difference between the two. And basically, what we're doing from the marketing perspective as as a brand agency is what we call top of funnel activities, right? So we're creating brand awareness, um, getting more eyeballs to the brand both on and offline. So for us, it's about, and for any brand really, it's about developing really specific key performance indicators or KPIs, which I'm sure you and your audience are well aware of, that relate to the long-term sell-through of the brand. So for a marketing agency, KPIs or marketing goals should be things like um, increased traffic to, to the website, conversion to their database, uh, engagement on social media, increased following on different social channels things of that nature. So you have to develop specific key performance indicators per channel. And the marketing piece is just the top of that funnel, you know, in terms of the work that we do. So that those are the KPIs that we set for the client and that we knocked out of the park. But what you're talking about is more on the sales side. So how does marketing play into sales? It becomes the conversion tool, the top of the funnel tool to push people through the sales. But at each level of connection, and we know it takes about three to five points of contact before someone knows, likes, and trusts the brand, you're looking at a 1% to 2% conversion rate. So our job is to create as many touch points as possible that makes it easier or shortens the time from that first point of contact with the brand to that close of business or close of sale. Okay. So so I understand that, that you know, the activity that you did in, in that case were more brand awareness geared. But... At the end of the day, that's kind of if we think in upper funnel terms or in funnel terms, that's that's the upper funnel, which kind of pushes people further down the funnel at the end of the day. And that shouldn't that still tie into what happens after that? Because I mean, if you invest X amount on the upper funnel, that has an impact on the lower funnel at the end of the day on, on sales or services. If you're doing it the right well. way, it certainly certainly should. <laughs> yeah. So how how are you then? On your end, making sure that, I mean, there's, there's one thing that is create awareness, but I could create awareness uh, across a group of people that might not be the ones that buy my that buy the products at the end of the day, right? Um, mm-hmm. they, might, they might love the hashtag, but they're not the ones that have the money to, <laughs> to, to, to buy the shoes, right? So at the end of the day, marketing is still, has still to be accountable, whether it's upper funnel or lower funnel or middle funnel, right? So just for me to, to go back to the overall topic, you know, that, that experimental ties in with uh, in a digital world. From your perspective, how how can that still be made uh, accountable for for what happens at the end of the day, with the sale, the, yeah. the lead generation, et cetera? Yeah, it's a really important question. And I think a lot of agencies absolutely fail in answering it. Um, it's, again, you know, keep using the term KPI, key performance indicator, but it's about developing those strong KPIs and having everyone agree to it and making sure that they are actually measurable and accountable, you know, term, accountable metrics. Mm-hmm. So for example, with the um, Tamara Mellon example that I gave, 
you know, they're, they're, we set the KPIs that we thought were going to be most valuable for them at that time and moment. But the mm-hmm. fact that they had never done those events prior meant that there was nothing that we could compare it to. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of starting from ground zero at that. Now, most yeah. brands aren't starting at ground zero, which means that we have an indicator or, or different components within that funnel that we can watch to see if it's pushing through to sales. So the things that I had mentioned before are still the most relevant KPIs. Um, but then of course you have to have the sales team reporting back and seeing if it does actually sell through. It's also critical to know what are the sales cycles for each of those categories, right? So if something is a lower price point, the, the, um, the, the cycle on it's going to be much shorter than if you're selling a Ferrari or something else that's a mm-hmm. really, really high price point. So there's a yeah. ton of different factors that have to be built in. And the way that we manage and hold ourselves accountable to it is all by um, listening software. So we, when we start a relationship, we create a baseline in each of the categories that we personally as an agency are going to be executing within. So that means that we run this listening software for about 30 days. We listen to what the category is that we're, you know, of the brand that we're working with. We look at their web traffic. We look at their social engagement. We look at their content marketing. We look at their experiential, et cetera, et cetera, because usually we're coming in as full agency of record. We run that for 30 days kind of as is behind the scenes. That becomes their kind of organic baseline. Then we decide which of those categories we're going to start testing and measuring or testing and pushing more energy into. So let's say it's experiential or let's say it's social media. We then run a test. We'll actually develop a hypothesis, right? So here's what we think is going to happen if we do, if we do X, this is what, what Y should be the, as the outcome, right? So if we put in X number of dollars into advertising, this is what the expectation is, given the history of metrics in this category, what's been done to date. Now, that's assuming that that brand has tested within those categories. After those 30 days of test against the hypothesis, we come back to the client and we say, all right, this is what happened organically with your brand before we were doing anything. This is what happened in each of those categories within those 30 days of quote-unquote test module, right? Mm-hmm. And here's what we can then project outwards in terms of conversion on each of these channels and what that should mean for sell-through. So we, um, it's a very, very hard question to answer for almost all agencies. But the answer, in my opinion, is to make sure you have metrics of success that everyone agrees upon. And of course, listening and tracking software so that you're comparing apples to apples. And also so that you're not, um, frankly, looking at inflated uh, vanity metrics, right? Because that's another big thing that for, that agencies do is they come in and they're like, we're going to change the world for your brand. And then you start spending money on advertising on a brand that's never spent money on advertising. Of course, it's going to give you a huge spike. But mm. what is the long-term value of that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. You talked about KPIs a second ago. Um, for Exponential in particular, how, how do you define the KPIs? Are the KPIs usually or, or the type of KPI is the same or um, for, for every client or does that depend on, on on what kind of activities you decide to to run for clients or to, to do for clients? I would say they're very rarely the same. When it relates to things like trade shows and conferences, uh, they might have kind of kind of a similar bend to them. But for example, um, Facebook is doing a, um, a national conference at a, a car show, let's call it. This is just a, a, a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. They've never done it before, but they now have this marketplace on Facebook that allows you to sell used vehicles, right? 
So if we're developing a platform or an opportunity for them to talk to their potential customers, we're talking about people who are listing cars, people who are buying cars at these types of conferences, the KPIs for that would be signups to that particular platform. They would be um, kind of tracking traffic within the booth. Um, it would be uh, how many people tagged it on social media and were engaged with it in, in a social capacity. But because it's the first time they've ever done that event, that then becomes the baseline for whether they're going to move forward and do those events you know, repeatedly. Um, the other piece that we always like to in, engage in terms of experiential, again, is content marketing, that dig- how to tie in that digital piece. So a lot of times, Brands will come to us and they'll say, look, I just don't want to spend 20 grand, 30 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand, whatever it might be on um, on a booth, right? That doesn't make sense to me. And if we pitch them something like, what if we set up a media corner and had your buyers or whoever was relevant to you at that conference come in and create some content behind that, that then you could also use on your social channels, through your newsletters, et cetera, et cetera. We can show them that there is added value to it. So mm-hmm. I would say co- content has to be a really strong KPI in, in all experiential. There is no excuse for a, a, an event to just be an, a standalone event and not have um, a digital tie-in. And then, of course, it depends on the type of event and the end result the client is looking for. A lot of times the client has to define that themselves and come to us with what they believe the hypothesis is. And then we have to kind of give them a reality check. Like, hey, guys, this is the first time you've ever done this. There's only 5,000 people in attendance at this conference. The likelihood of you getting all 5,000 into your booth is slim to none. Let's be more realistic. So <laughs> we have to kind of create, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. brands are always going to come to agencies with really huge expectations. And a lot of times those are unrealistic. So our job is to base our KPIs and the end result for the client on real metrics and numbers, experimenting and, and testing against the hypothesis and then collectively coming together and agreeing what all of that actually means and what the go forward plan is from there. What are the different types of experimental marketing you are seeing as critical for brand growth? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's very brand specific, but I mean, everything from trade shows and conferences, if you're, you know, if you're a CPG brand and you're looking to get into wholesale, you know, looking to talk to wholesale buyers, something like the Natural Products Expo might be a good event for you. Mm -hmm. If you're launching a new brand, cross-marketing is probably going to be your most important avenue because then you're leveraging other brands' relationships and their networks and you're doing it as lean as possible, right? So it's also very budget dependent, but the sky's the limit. I mean, we have found success with some of our bigger tech brands by doing very intimate, high-level networking events, right, where you're only inviting a very select group of people, whereas some of the larger CPG brands, they're trying to touch thousands of people at one event. So it's, again, about who you're trying to talk to, what the end result is, what the brand is itself, and what the value is in terms of marketing to that audience. Mm-hmm. You gave a few examples of experimental marketing uh, activities uh, already. What are specific best practices in developing kind of an experimental campaign that is integrated with digital marketing? It's a great question. Um, We really believe that everything starts with creative, right? So you can have the best brand in the world, but I think most brands fail to realize that the number of assets and creative assets that need to be developed for a really strong digital and experiential strategy to be tied in. So again, while we listen to the metrics and we watch all of those on the back end, we have to also come up with creative on the front end. And that tends to be very subjective. 
So it's important to have creative buy-in from the higher ups, the C-suite or the CMO or the director of marketing, whoever your contact is within the brand, and coming up with an idea of what creatively you think is really going to have a strong impact and not be just kind of another Me Too play, right? A lot of brands are scared to have a really strong voice, but the truth is, is that almost nobody is inventing something brand new. So the best way for new brands and emerging brands to stand out is to come up with a creative campaign that is really bold, strong, shows the value, or is really funny. You know, it depends on what the brand's sentiment is. What is the brand's kind of energy? Um, so we go through a lot of creative iterations with our clients to develop that brand voice and to make sure that we are not only speaking in that brand voice by creating an overarching campaign that that um, ties in with that, but that it's also being targeted at let's call it the top three potential target audiences as well, or the personification of whoever those customers we think, whoever we think they are, if we don't have data to back it up. So I know I talked on the first side of this conversation about the data and the metrics and the listening and all of that, which is super Mm -hmm. critical, but just as critical is the creative side of it, right? And that's why what we do is is kind of that perfect tie-in that's the yin to the yang, right? The, The metrics to the creative, and how those two really tie in beautifully together. Yeah. And just to confirm, when you talk about the creative part, you're talking about that not only from an experimental perspective, but the vision goes all the way through to the digital part. So there's kind of a, whether you see that at a trade show, you will be hit up later on with with, with ads, for example, or the content that you display will have the same look and feel or the same creative thought behind it. That's exactly right. There's nothing worse than the one and done, right? And that's why a lot of experiential was failing very early days because people would do one campaign and then they would never touch it again. It wouldn't go digital. It wouldn't do e-blast or social or anything behind it. So what you said just now is 100% the takeaway, which is come up, coming up with a campaign that, are, that reaches across all of your channels in a really consistent way. Again, we're inundated with so much noise on a daily basis. It's not going to be one message, especially from a new brand that you don't know yet, right? It has to be three to five, sometimes five to seven, depending on the price point, before you recall that brand in a way that causes you to take action with it, whether that's a purchase, a sign up, whatever that, you know, end KPI is. You're 100% right. It's all about consistency. Yeah. So you you just mentioned price point, right, Um, for an experimental campaign. You know, when you talk to a big company or work with a big company like a Facebook or Verizon Media Group, I mean, money there isn't necessarily an issue, right? But how how can you do experimental effectively when you work with a startup where money is tight, where, you know, you have to turn over the dollar several times to, to decide where to put it, basically? Yeah, great question. Um, I think that for more startup brands, it's about cross-marketing. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but for the startup brands that we work with, we actually develop a cross-marketing partnership agreement that then we require them to have signed by their partner brand. Um, Because what we've seen is while people all have the best intentions when it comes to cross-marketing, and it is a great way to refer in brands and to capture new eyeballs and, you know, help um, launch a new brand by tying in ancillary non-competitive brands with it. The lack of consistency, again, we're going to come back to the same topic of conversation, is what fails these brands when they um, when they try and launch. 
what I mean by that is a lot of times they'll say, we're really excited. Everyone wants to work together, but then they do one event or they do an e-blast or they do one social post. So in our cross-marketing document, it is really, really detailed. It's X number of blog posts. It's X number of um, social media engagement. It might, in, it might include some social advertising, um, on-site experiential branding, uh, thing, and then so we call it, um, uh, you know, pre, during, and post-event. What is the arc of conversation with that brand and how consistently can we get that to be done by the partner brand so that, again, you're creating that brand awareness, that no like and uh, trust factor. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about budgets. What, what is the budget range, the typical for the experimental part? And then obviously you want to connect it with the digital side. What is the min that, that the company needs to have to, to get started? At what budget amounts does it really start to, I don't want to say take off, because you know, probably also with a smaller budget amount, you, you can do great things. But when can you really pull out the big things at what budget levels? Yeah, it's kind of a loaded question, honestly, um, because startup brands can do a lot with nothing, right? I, we have a lot of brands that come to us and we happen to host our own salons with a very high-level group of C-suite women. And a lot of new brands will come to us and they'll donate products to our sad bags, right? That doesn't cost them anything except for the cost of their goods. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way of feeding product into a new market. And you can do that across a lot of different events, depending on your product category, right? So making sure you're developing a list of for example, if you're targeting women, a list of the top 10 women's conferences out there that you're willing to give free product to. So that mm-hmm. just costs you cost of goods. But then make sure that you're following up with, you know, what are they going to do in terms of imagery? So you're building out your assets. So what are they going to do in terms of social, et cetera? Then the next level up from there is, well, this is a really established conference. We, we will take product, but it might cost you a little bit. So it might cost you anywhere from a few thousand up to, I think the uh, Grammy bag can be upwards of, uh, between five and twenty k to uh, to seed within this swag bag, so that's kind of a higher level version of of seeding product. Yeah. Then the conferences, the minimum buy-in for conferences is usually anywhere from three to five k for a booth, and then you've got to think about production on, on top of that, right? What are you going to print? What are the giveaways? What is that really fun moment on site that's going to give you brand lift digitally? Um, so I would guess for a conference, you're looking to spend upwards of 10 to 60 plus K, depending on how big the space is and how uh, bold the build out is. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just keeps leveling up from there. Um, the great thing about digital is that you can test the creative campaigns on a smaller scale, right? You can test Facebook ads for, for like 10 bucks a day and you can test the creative, the targeting and the messaging in a really small way there before you go broad with anything printed, with any bigger social campaigns, or anything experiential. So our philosophy really is to um, A-B test at a high velocity so that we can then go back to our clients and say, we tested this messaging, we tested this targeting, this is really what worked, let's move Mm -hmm. more in this direction because we know that this is what's going to land with your audience. And I, I really think that that's again, the process that most smaller brands need to take. And that's also why they get scared because they're like, we don't even know where to start. Like, how do we even, you know, go in this direction? I would start with coming up with a fun creative campaign because that just takes brain power and maybe a little graphic design, test it on social media, and then the sky's the limit from there. Yeah. So one thing that, that stands out that you've mentioned several times is testing. Yeah. And, and I think in general, whether that's we here at Symphony Digital, we do a lot of digital marketing advertising. So testing is really important there. But but 
you know, what I hear from you is even on the exponential side, you know, in, in connecting with digital, you've got to test. You've got to test and test and test to make sure you find the best combination, the best way to communicate something, the, the best place to to communicate information and to share information at the end of the day. Absolutely. I mean, because otherwise you're just shooting in the dark, right? If I yeah. come up with a campaign that I think is going to be really visually interesting in a huge experiential moment, and I haven't tested it with a few hundred dollars first on social to see that there's engagement there from your audience, that they respond to it, then that's when things go off the rails and people get really upset because they've spent a lot of money for very little return. So mm-hmm. I absolutely think testing is the most critical component of any marketing strategy. Perfect. Well, Laurel, thank you for joining me and thank you for, for sharing your ideas on how exponential marketing ties in with digital. If people want to find out more about you, elevate your brand, so your company, how can they get in touch? Thank you for asking. Obviously, we're at elevatemybrand.com. Um, we're on all the social channels as well. If you go to elevatemybrand.com uh, in the upper right, sorry, upper left-hand corner, there's a free download. So you can download nine easy steps to marketing. You can always reach out to info at elevatemybrand.com. And right now we're offering um, complimentary 30-minute 30 se- 30 sessions for strategy to support some of these smaller brands that are looking to uh, stay profitable in these challenging times. Perfect. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.